Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory, founder of TeamsRock.com. Join us as Greg interviews thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from professional sports to manufacturing to business and industry. Now, let's join Greg for another powerful episode of the Teamwork Advantage. Welcome back to the Teamwork Advantage. We're the podcast that helps you grow your businesses, your teams organizations, your softball teams, your church teams, your synagogue teams. We help people build and develop better teams in three key areas, teamwork, leadership, and culture. My name is Greg Gregory, and welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, I'll let you know we've been downloaded in over 75 countries. We are uh, going global. We've got a lot of folks. We've got go back and find some of our archives uh, interviews. We've got some amazing people. And we bring some experts in, in specific fields of their own industries with ideas that you can use and then extrapolate those ideas so you can help your teams grow and develop. That's what it's all about. The next 45 minutes, we're going to be having a nice chat today with Brandon McKee. He's the CEO. That's sometimes referred to as the Chief Everything Officer. And I know sometimes that is exactly how people feel. But he's the CEO of Win Big Media. And his primary role right now at Big Media is to plan, direct, coordinate, and oversee operations within the organization. So anybody who's in organization operations, you know how hard that can be sometimes when you've got a team of two, three, or a team of 30. He works to ensure that the development, the implementation, the efficient operations, as well as cost effects, meet the current and future needs of the organization of Big, uh, when Big. Prior to joining uh, the rapidly expanding WinBig Media team, Brandon was involved in various roles in the fitness industry. We were talking, he was into martial arts, getting into that, which I found fascinating. Um, he has a senior professional human resources certification from HRCI and is a strategic planning guru. That's one of my favorite words, right? <laughs> All right. He grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, currently lives in Arlington, Virginia. You can find him at the dog park with Bruno, and I want to find out all about Bruno as well as his partner, Paul. So, uh, Brandon, welcome, absolutely welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you for having me, Greg. I'm excited. You know, we, we like to have fun around this and say that we're about having fun, and it works in all businesses and all walks of life. And I really do believe that, and I think you're going to be able to show some evidence to that today, coming from a background in fitness and everything else. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your history, uh, and you didn't wake up one day say you're going to do this and get involved in this and technology's changing every day and you know, COVID put us on another spinning direction. So kind of walk us through from the beginning how you got into where you are now. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, well, you know, first and foremost, I definitely didn't wake up and think I would be the uh, CEO of a marketing company one day, Greg. But, you know, where I started actually was in the martial arts industry. Um, you know, I was uh, doing it. It's an art called Muay Thai. Um, and my traditional discipline was in Taekwondo, um, which is probably more well known um, in the United States is the Taekwondo side of things. But, um, you know, was getting into national tournaments, competing. Um, you know, I woke up one day and decided that that really wasn't a career path long term for me. Um, I had to get a job. I had to produce income. Um, and that wasn't that wasn't uh, cutting it for me. And so it, I got into the fitness industry and I started, you know, from the bottom, really uh, working at the front desk and then kind of worked my way up. Um, into management, you know, multi-club management, um, you know, clubs as big as 100,000 square feet, um, you know, with multi-million dollar revenues. And, you know, really, I think you, you mentioned COVID and the pandemic. 
that's kind of where I hit a, a turning point is that um, I've always been really passionate about my teams and the people that I work with. And, um, you know, in that middle management setup, I wasn't making enough impact, um, you know, to make a difference in that company. It was just a little bit too large. Um, and that's really where I started looking. You know, I wanted to work for a company that I could really, you know, create an impact in the organization, not just financially, but really, you know, culture wide um, and work with the human resources teams to make sure that people weren't just proud of, you know, the profits that their company was putting out. They were proud of working for WinBig Media. So um, that's where, you know, I landed at WinBig and then similar story, just kind of worked my way up from there and took over the company pretty recently. So you got your SPHR for human resources. That's kind of different to go from a human resource side to an operations side. Up yeah. the so tell us a little bit about that, because we, I know we got a lot of listeners on here that are in human resources and a lot of several of our folks on here have gotten into human resources by accident. They were supposed to go down a legal path or <laughs> some other form. So tell us you kind of went the other way. You're in human resources. And now you're up this side. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, it, it's it's a fun story. And, you know, ultimately, one of my good friends was um, working in human resources and, you know, she was working with a lot of the managers um, of my previous company in that fitness uh, world. And so, you know, one of the biggest traits we found as we, you know, hung out, talked a little bit is that these managers, you know, although they might have been great salespeople, they might have been great at producing revenue, they didn't understand how their teams ticked. They didn't understand how to, um, you know, drive accountability in the proper way. They didn't understand how to, um, you know, performance manage someone in the proper way. And so, Ultimately, that's what got me interested in human resources and, you know, doing things the right way. I think, you know, your listeners in human resources will, will probably appreciate this, but there's certainly a, a wrong way to manage and a right way, um, in my opinion. And I think the more understanding you have of the human resources background, the, the better you're ultimately going to be as a leader. Oh, yes. There's no doubt about that. We got to understand, I can still remember the, uh, the challenges I had in management, the first person that I had to fire. Yep. And that was actually an interesting situation because he was double dipping us as a salesperson. Mm. And I had to make sure it was correct. So I called our HR team. I made sure that I went through it the exact way that you're supposed to because I had not done it. I want to make sure it was done correctly. And that's really key that managers have to understand, you know, building your team uh, in the book, Good to Great. We always talk about get the right people on the bus, get them in the right seats, get the wrong ones off. Yep. When I had to get somebody off the bus, I had to do it the right way. And that, that's a key factor. Right. Yeah, I, love, um, I love Jim Collins, by the way. And yeah, I mean, I always phrase it like this, is that when you're going into a termination conversation or frankly, any type of performance management conversation, the person across the desk from you or across the Zoom from you shouldn't be surprised, right? You should have gone through they a process. They should know what's happening. Yeah, they should know what's coming, right? And so, you know, these horror stories you hear of, you know, just terminating someone at the onset, not doing due diligence, not going through a process. It just, uh, yeah. it, it bothered me to see. And that's why I, you know, kind of devoted a lot of my time to getting better at that and making yeah. sure I could teach that. So, because when you're terminating somebody or when you're dealing with performance management, that impacts the team. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And then of course the pandemic brought on all kinds of things. So yeah. let's kind of get into where you are right now, big media. Um, when you're talking about when big, we were talking earlier, when you first came on board, you had a couple of offices. I believe. Right. And now you're 100% remote. That's correct. Yep. Okay. 100%. So 
tell us a little bit about how that process went. And you're not exactly a large organization. You, you don't have thousands of employees. Right. So it's probably a little easier because of your dynamic size. Yeah. But tell us how you went through that, how the decision was made, how people work. Tell us about your kind of model being, oh, it's remote, we know that, but tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in, again, within my first couple of weeks, I think we were talking about is really when me and the you know former CEO and now chairman um, you know, made the decision that we were going to be fully remote. And a, a big reason why um, is because, you know, there was it was probably mid pandemic. We had some folks that weren't necessarily comfortable coming in. Um, we had done an analysis on productivity um, and there wasn't a huge decrease in productivity at that time at all. Um, you know, the other big indicator and something I noticed just based on the labor market and in some instances, you're still seeing that even though there's been some shifts um, is talent. You know, we figured out that we could get really talented people, um, but they just might live in Colorado or they might be in New York. And so, you know, my big push on that, and I think you're seeing this across a couple different industries, as long as the organization can run remotely, is that, yeah, they might not be right next to you in your office um, and you might not be able to knock on their door, but they are talented individuals um that want to work and ultimately they're probably going to be more productive than the individuals that you might have previously had in that role right so um to it opens up your talent pool definitely 100 percent. yep and and i have a funny story about that too we were struggling to fill a designer role and you know we were just really internally trying to figure that out because across the board we've never had any problems with hiring we never had any problems with you know getting resumes and maybe we had four or five and the second we put and it was a remote role, by the way, we just hadn't advertised it as such. The second we put 100% work remote on that advertisement, hundreds of resumes came in, right? So it's really about, you know, you have to follow the market sometimes and understand what people need. Um, I think it's uh, too often a what's in it for me uh, when it comes from the businesses. And I think too often we forget we work for our employees as well. So making decisions that benefit them is super important. Uh, Southwest Airlines, of course, has always uh, used the expression uh, in the early days, I should say. I'm not sure how they're running today, but it's always the mindset of our number one customer is not our customer. Our number one customer is our employee. If we take care of our employees, our employees will customer. 100%. That's, that's 100% true. When you went remote, what was the biggest challenge you had in keeping the teamwork and the culture strong? Yeah, um, I think it all came down to, you know, communication was a big thing um, and not the communication you think we still had our normal, you know, meetings, we still had our heads up meeting on Mondays, right? But that nuance of, oh, I have to book a, you know, 30 minute time frame on Brandon's calendar to walk through this problem. Um, you know, that really, uh, it definitely created some challenges for us for a while. We were running into situations that we hadn't run into before and it's just because, someone hadn't picked up their phone. And really the way I looked at it is uh, I didn't pick up my phone. Um, and so now what we do, and really it's more of a, a culture connecting with your team basis is that um, we take a couple minutes at the top of every call. And I work this into our calendar, by the way. I know how um, in the industry, sometimes it's, you know, hey, if it needs to be a 30 minute meeting, it's a 30 minute meeting. If it needs to be a 17 minute meeting, it's a 17 minute meeting. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I like to build in a little bit of buffer time for our team to just connect as humans. You know, ultimately 
we still need that human connection. That's what's been lost a little bit in the, you know, across the board from people going remote. So, you know, I want time for, you know, Leslie to talk to me about her cats. I want time for my team to tell me what they did over the weekend. And we connect on that. Um, you'd be surprised how much that affects a team. Um, and we've even gotten, you know, we do a lot of surveys at WinBig. We try to make sure we really understand how our engagement is going. And that's the word I like to use is, how are we engaging with our team? How are they engaging with us? Um, and those scores just went up and up and up as we increased the communication, but not on the business side of things, on the personal side of things. Um, okay. Another great example is we started something called Coffee and Conversations, which is a meeting that has nothing to do about work and it has everything to do about just connecting with each other um, and sharing a cup of coffee or tea and just, just talking things out. I absolutely love that. Uh, making a note on coffee and conversations. Yeah. You know, that, that's really key. Because the biggest thing that most people have told me over the last three years, the biggest thing that they miss in an office environment is, and they use the term, the water cooler conversation. And yep. that's exactly what it is. Um, keeping the culture up, getting the conversations. In when big, do you guys have uh, any employees who are like, I'm here to work, I'm not here to socialize? mindsets sure uh, you know and then, okay you do so let me ask you how i want to know about that but then i want to know how do yeah. you combat that to get them involved with your coffee and conversations mindset yeah well one thing um and yes and no i mean i think uh, the way we hire and the way we onboard really helps ingratiate someone into our culture and helps them understand hey we're not just here to uh, you know, build profits for the company. We're here to connect with each other as well and make this a fun and safe environment for people to work in. Um, so everyone really emulates that. Um, but there are certain people that, you know, they, they do like to, you know, sit behind their desk and they, they, they signed up for a remote role for a reason. Um, you know, I think one of the ways just to circle back to what I was talking about is, you know, that coffee and conversations. But one thing I do as a leader, aside from that, <clears throat> is I, I do random phone calls every day. To somebody on my team, um, like you mentioned, we're not the biggest team in the world. And so um, quite often my team is hearing from me and I'm never calling to ask about a client. I'm not calling to ask about, you know, what's this uh, number on this spreadsheet? I'm calling to see how they're doing. I'm calling to, you know, do a mental health check. I'm calling to make sure that um, everything in their week is shaping up like they thought it would and to offer coaching. Um, if it's not, you know, I think something we miss and every employee likes this, I don't care if they're, you know, on the more um, reserve side or if they're, you know, a big personality within the organization, everyone wants to be coached. And that's what I hear a lot in the, um, you know, you hear it a lot in the financial sector where they're trying to bring people back into the uh, offices because they need to be coached because they want to be mentored. I don't necessarily think you have to be in an office to have that happen. I just think you have to have engaged managers that are proactively reaching out because it's not always on the employee, it's on us to make sure that we're connecting with our teams. Yeah. It's definitely a two-way street, there's no doubt. Sure. Um, you said you make random phone calls. Yeah. Is that a pick up the phone the old fashioned way or is that jumping on a quick Zoom just out of the blue? So it's it's more the latter. It's, uh, you know, a little bit of both, actually. You know, a lot of times I'll be driving home. You know, I still go into an office setting. Um, it works really well for me at least two to three times a week. I'm by myself there, too. <laughs> but um, I like to go somewhere and I usually do it on my way home. You know, I'm, I'm driving home. I have home. a friend of mine who does that. He calls it his 
third space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to exactly. go from your house and your, your office, the home, the home, and go to a third space. That's exactly what I like. It, you know, my husband works in an office four days a week now, and just me sitting in my house all day wasn't working for me. So um, I, I found oh, it. Go to third place is Starbucks, by the way. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a avid Starbucks goer too every morning. Um, but um, yeah, so the, I do it on the way home a lot of times. And so I'll just pick up my phone and, you know, buzz someone random. You know, sometimes I have a little insight into maybe it was a, tougher day for a specific person. And maybe I, you know, put my attention that way. But a lot of times it's just random checking on someone, seeing how things are going. Um, you know, if it's uh, a Friday asking them what they, you know, got planned for the weekend, um, you know, anything exciting coming up. If it's a Monday asking how their weekend was, I, I try to keep those conversations pretty short, you know, because I don't want to take up valuable time from that person. Um, and it's typically the end of the day. So I don't want them to feel like they got to stay on the phone with me for the next hour. Um, but they're short. They're, you know, not work related most of the time unless the employee brings that up. And then we can work through a challenge together. Um, you'd be surprised how much um, feedback I get about those conversations. And a lot of times you do uncover challenges. You do uncover things that maybe were on someone's mind, but they were never going to mention it unless the opportunity surfaced. So um, that's some of the wins I've seen. Yeah. One of the things what you're describing in my picture comes up, you are opening up a lines of communication better, which creates more vulnerability between you and them as well. And right. by you showing your vulnerability, then they feel more comfortable in opening up and they show more vulnerability themselves. And that creates the symbiotic uh, culture that you're looking at. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, I think we were talking about earlier in regards to just everything going on in the labor market and the economy. And, you know, leaders need to show optimism. They need to show that they have a plan. Um, I'm big on transparency um, in leadership. And if you, you know, kind of keeping everything to your chest and you're not engaging with your team, you know, I, I have this phrase, but people start to make stuff up if you're not being transparent with them. They start to make assumptions. They start to you know, maybe think negative thoughts. So it's your job to make sure that you're constantly communicating the why behind something and being optimistic, frankly. Right, I want everybody to make sure we go back and pick up what you just said, because what you just said is really, really key. Pick up the why behind something. Yep. Simon Sinek, of course, did the, uh, this great book called It Starts With Why. Starts With Why, yep. Okay, and we got to understand, employees need to know why. As a leader, when you start sharing those why ideas with them, then they're more likely to figure out a how, either on their own, or they'll be more proactive in working to figure out a how. Right. So that, that's really, really key. So, WinBig is all about artificial intelligence and target marketing, and I get that. Yep. What have you seen in your industry? Because you can't speak to every industry, although a lot of your clients are in multiple industries. Right. What have you seen in a marketplace today that's been a challenge for you and your team specifically? Yeah, um, great question. And it's <clears throat> more recent in nature. We've started to see this build up a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the economy. And the fear of you know needing to reel back spending or spend our money in other areas of the business, 
Um, you see a lot of the media headlines right now and, you know, all these big tech companies are laying people off, right? So um, what that tends to do to the market and any business really, but specific industries as well, is they start to reel back on their marketing spend. Um, and our challenge as a team, and I, you know, we really, we talk about this regularly, weekly at least, um, is education. You know, it, it doesn't have to do with, um, you know, being a better target marketer. It doesn't have to do with having a better creative. Um, it's It's got to do with educating as the why, right? So for example, um, I had a conversation with a client the other day that if their competitors are now reeling back on their advertising spend, that makes the advertisements cheaper for them. And if they double down at this moment, instead of reel back their spend, they'll capture more of that market share. So those are the conversations, you know, not just myself and, and really it's my team that has to have those conversations and they're really good at this. Mm -hmm. It's just educating, you know, our clients and our potential clients to how they should position themselves in this market. You know, we did this uh, in COVID as well. You know, people, things started happening in COVID, things started shutting down and people went, you know, they turned off the faucet in terms of marketing. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't market smarter in times like this, but you certainly shouldn't stop marketing is typically where I come from there. And I'm kind of on the same boat there. You know, people stopped training, stopped bringing, you know, doing certain types of training concepts. And yeah. um, you know, as well as I do that training like coaching, it needs to be an ongoing process. Right. It needs to absolutely be more focused and ongoing. What have you seen with some of your clients in that same area? What have you seen them doing as far as the challenge with their teams? What are they noticing? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of folks are lacking the, you know, we talked about transparency earlier and you know, I've had a lot, I have, you know, the benefit to talk to a lot of our clients and their senior leadership teams. Um, and recently we were having a conversation about the challenges that are coming. They're in the entertainment business um, and their business probably will take a slight hit right now as, you know, consumers are spending a little less money. Um, and you know, a, a lot of what it comes down to is the transparency and the uh, lack of understanding from their teams as to what's going on and what the plan is. So back to Simon Sinek, right? Why? Um, you have to, we talk about headwinds, right? You have to accept those headwinds. You have to talk to your teams about them. The first thing I did um, when these headlines started coming out and when these, you know, financial reports about losses started coming out is I gathered my team and we had a conversation about it. I said, look, this is happening. Um, some of our clients are going to be affected by this. And here's what we can say and do to help them through this. Um, and I have those same conversations with our clients. It's not about ignoring the elephant in the room. It's about um, tackling it, helping your team understand what could happen and why you don't think that's going to happen because you have a plan. Um, I think sometimes people don't have that conversation because maybe they don't have a plan yet. Um which is okay, but you got to figure it out pretty quick and you got to share that message with your team and be very transparent. And that, that's key. Again, you're bringing up the, the why and the transparency and keeping things engaged. Um, when you start to look at it, I want to ask the challenge question again. Sure. What, what's your biggest challenge right now that you are coping and dealing with with your teams? With my teams, um, it's probably that that optimism, um, as we were talking about, is that we have to uh, 
wake up every day and really make sure that education and communication is on the forefront of every conversation we have. Um, it's again, it's not about, you know, our data works. It's our, our advertisements work. It's about communicating to the clients, um, you know, what it is that they need to be doing during this time, what the data shows, by the way, um, because we're, you know, the way we operate is we're very data driven. Um, we're not guessing, you know, you hear a lot of guessing in marketing. And so um, that's what my team's probably biggest struggle is, is making sure that that's on the forefront of every conversation. And if it's not, um, that's when we start to see real backs. That's when we start to see, you know, a client drop, right? So um, that communication, and it has to come from everybody, from the creative team, from the account team to the senior executive team. So how are you working on that? What are you doing uh, in your role? What are you getting your other managers to do um, to try and keep that the optimism engaged? Yeah, um, I, you know, I'm a big in a, in a new world we are in today, remote, in-person, hybrid. Sometimes those hybrids are who knows what. Could be oh, the same three days a week, could be two days here, four days there. Everybody doing different things. How do you keep that optimism going? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, Greg, in role play and in the sense that, you know, you walk through situations with your team, maybe as the opposing party, um, and you kind of engage them and challenge them to have that conversation with you. You know, if I'm the business owner and I'm asking you a bunch of questions about why I should be spending here, why are we doing this? You know, why does that creative look like this? We better have answers. Um, and it's not on my team to just have that on the tip of their tongue. It's my job as the leader to make sure that I'm coaching, right? And making sure that they're prepared for those conversations. So typically what we do um, to answer your question is, you know, every week we have, um, we call it a heads up meeting, but it's more, it's not, a mu it's not as much about what it is that we're doing in a week because we have systems and processes. So everyone knows what we're doing. It's about walking through what we're hearing from the clients and doing some role play in front of the whole team so they can see exactly how I'm having that conversation. Um, you know, to double back to my fitness um, industry experience, that's what we did all the time. You know, oh, you have an objection here from a sales perspective. How are you going to overcome that? Well, they're not just going to figure it out on their own. You have to coach and teach. Um, you and build a library of responses. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to have your, uh, your knowledge library, regardless of the business that you're in. I know a lot of uh, information help desks, they have their knowledge library. When the customer says they have this problem, they get into the keywords in, find it, and get the response of what they're supposed to do with it. And the better that library is, the better it works. The same exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I know you mentioned earlier about, you know, some of the audience in that human resources role, they'll appreciate this as well as that the, the L&D side of things, right? Learning and development, making sure that um, you have processes as a company. You know, that's something I put a lot of my attention to with our head of HR is, do we have training programs in place for a new employee that might be coming in as a manager? Um, just because they're coming in with a VP level, you know, title and or a director level title doesn't mean they they manage the same way we do. Doesn't mean they understand our expectations. So how does your onboarding look? How does your continuing education look within your company? And are you investing into that as an organization? Yeah, yeah. onboarding is so critical today uh, because there are so many people that are having people on their teams and they're going into the office and they've never met the people face to face. Yeah. And so getting them onboarded, getting them engaged, um, ingrained, I guess is the word, with the culture within uh, your organization is absolutely key. 
So Brandon, when we stop to think about it, what are one or two little tricks, tips that you would give a leader today who's bringing on, onboarding somebody new into their team? Beyond just the HR part of the traditional corporate onboarding, which is sure. very critical, but is there anything you would advise a manager to do when somebody new is coming onto their team? Yeah, um, I can think of two things right off the bat. Um, and you mentioned one of them just in passing when we were chatting, Greg, is that you know they they shouldn't just meet the people on their team. They shouldn't just be talking to um, their direct reports and you know you, right? You know, one thing we do at WinBig is, um, and it makes our onboarding process a little bit longer, a little bit more complex. But I really believe in it. Is that you meet everyone um, because we are a 100% remote company. Um, if you think about it, when you go into an office for the first time, you, you might be meeting your team, but you're still walking past, you know, um, Susie's desk and you know Brad's desk, and you're saying hi, and maybe you're, you know, sharing a story or two. So um, it's mandatory at WinBig that a new employee meet everyone. <clears throat> that may change one day if we have a thousand employees. That might not be as possible, but. Um, right now, because you know, I really believe in the culture that we've set. Everyone meets everyone. You understand what um, you know what Leslie does. You understand what Andrew does, and you have a really good understanding of our culture by the end of all those conversations. And the other exciting thing is, if I'm doing my job right, the people on those conversations with that new employee are just adding a little bit of culture every conversation. They're confirming to that employee that their decision was right because we're all kind of speaking the same language. So um, that would be one, um, right. you know, thing we do. Um, you know, ultimately, I think the other um, is making sure that we have, you know, a really full proof system um, in terms of, you know, what they should expect in the first 30, 60, 90 days. Um, a lot of companies um, that I've seen miss that is that, you know, it's your onboarding is seven business days and then you're kind of off to the races. Um, and it's, you know, every man for himself, every woman for themselves. And, you know, what we really believe in is very intentional. Um, this is even after the intros, right? You know, you have a 30 day set of goals and expectations. You have a 30 day, you have a 60 day set of goals and expectations and so on and so forth. And, you have check-ins with myself, you have check-ins with the human resources team. Um, and you know, some people go, well, duh, but that actually is very rare in my experience. At they a go lot duh of because they think you should do it. They think everybody does it, but nobody does it. So it needs to be scheduled and planned. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So having a really good 30, 60, 90 day plan, um, every time I've ever done that um, with an employee, uh, they've seen really good results. And, you know, on the other side of it, you know, we were talking about performance management, you can figure out what those bad habits are, maybe really quickly, because you're going back and you're coaching and you're talking about it. We set an expectation, maybe we wouldn't get there. Why? Um, is it because we didn't set them up for success? Or is it because, you know, there's something missing there that we really need to address early on? Right. Um, you know, I hear this phrase of, um, you know, fire fast sometimes. And, you know, I think there is a misconception with that. And the fact that I, I think you have to do everything in your power to make sure that you give your employees the resources to be successful. Um, and then if you're doing that and someone's not hitting the mark, um, I do believe that you should move quickly and make sure, you know, in a compassionate way for both parties that if it's not the best fit, you have that conversation. But 
you need to have a process in place to make sure that it's a fair shot. The whole expression is, if you just let it fester, it's not going to go away. Exactly. Exactly. Talk to me a little bit about your heads up. You do them, what, every Monday? Every Monday. Mm -hmm. How long do they last? Uh, just about 30 minutes most of the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of organizations do something like that, whether it's a huddle meeting on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or whatever. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what goes into a heads up meeting for you guys. Sure. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, as a leader in a remote organization, I tend to build in buffer time to every one of my meetings. You know, if I have 15, 20 minutes of content, it's a 30 minute meeting because I want to make sure the team has a chance to be humans and connect right. with each other, talk about what exciting things we did over the weekend. You know, we have people in Colorado with a bunch of snow and they get to ski, right? So talking about that a little bit, right? Okay. Um, so that's probably the first five to six minutes. And then uh, I really subscribe and I, you know, I recommend this, by the way, to everyone listening is um, the one thing, you know, we really subscribe to the one thing as an organization. And that's a whole separate organization out there. They've um, written a great book called <laughs> The One Thing. Um, and Gary Keller's involved in that, you know, the founder and uh, chairman of Keller Williams. And mm -hmm. what they talk about in that book, the principle is that there needs to be a very specific focus for every day, every week, every month. That doesn't mean you don't have multiple priorities, by the way. It just means that there's probably one thing that if we can accomplish that and we can move that initiative forward is going to help our organization grow. Mm -hmm. So we talk about that. You know, I go through every single member of our team and I ask them what their one thing is. Um, and you know, we've gotten really good at when we first started, it was like, well, I got like four, one things, Brandon. And I'm like, well, no, we, we got one thing. What's your one thing, right? Um, maybe that's to, you know, on the design side, they're building a portfolio of designs for, you know, one of our larger clients and, you know, they're really excited to get feedback about it. I want to hear about what their one thing is. Okay. Um, Cause that keeps them engaged at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I assume at some point, uh, either in a weekly heads up or if you do it once a month somewhere in there, you're doing some recognitions and things like that along the way as well. Uh, because it's not just this is what we are doing today. Not at all. Um, we actually have something called Wow Shares at Win Big Media. Um, and mm -hmm. it's really meant to be like, wow, that was that was amazing. I can't believe that we accomplished that last week. Or, um, you know, maybe it's to a specific person. So a lot of times we go around the room and, you know, it, and everyone kind of knows this already. So um, it's top of mind on Mondays. But, you know, that someone will raise their hand and say, hey, Brandon, I have a wow share. You know, last week we had a conversation with a client. And Dan just crushed it. You know, he did a great job explaining the why behind this advertising strategy and the client's extremely excited and happy. Um, and, you know, we celebrate that. You know, I think okay. to celebrate the little wins along with the big wins, um, it's really important on a weekly and daily basis. I wanted to get involved with the heads up because there's a lot of organizations who in person were doing something like the heads up again, whether it was a huddle meeting or what they wanted to call it. Yeah. But when they went, remote that kind of stopped and i i wonder you, you still do it and i think that's really really key when you look at that we've talked about the leaders a little bit mm -hmm. we've touched on the culture a little bit what's one thing if you're advising if you're coaching a if you're coaching a college kid coming into business today okay what's the mm -hmm. one thing 
you might share with him or her to get them to understand how to be more engaged as part of a team? Hmm. I, yeah, that's a great question, Greg. I, I think for a leader and or a college kid, you know, just getting into the workforce, being the best listener in the room um, is always, in my opinion, uh, the best skill set you can have. So, you know, speaking less often and listening, um, and especially in a team environment, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on people, leaders, but even individuals to know everything. Um, and I'm a big proponent of vulnerability. So understanding what you know and what you don't know and letting the people that you've decided to surround yourself with help you. Um, there's a reason it's called a team. It's not because you bring six people around you and, you know, me or you, Greg, make all the decisions and we know everything that's right. Um, we listen. Um, we take that in. Um, we go around the room. We don't imprint our opinions onto our team members. Um, and you're open minded about it. And that would be my biggest piece of advice is that you know, too often we talk more than we listen. Okay. That's, that, that's really key is uh, you, you talked about the vulnerability piece of that and letting yourself know because today technology in particular is driving things to the point that it's changing so fast that people cannot keep on top of just about everything. Right. Yeah. It's been absolutely fascinating. We've been going at this now for about 37 minutes and it's just, you know, the, the concepts are there. There's a lot of great ideas. I love, um, your, your onboarding processes for the teams, okay, getting people, the individuals involved there. So I want to make sure people go back and listen to this. In closing, what's something you would recommend to an organization today to really get them to really start to embrace the culture? I mean, we've talked about communications being the core thing. Beyond that, is there something else you would give advice to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, no matter if you are on the accounting side, the HR side, you know, in a leadership role, um, you know, even in, you know, a specific role where maybe you're a one or two man, you know, show um, mm -hmm. investing in yourself and investing into your teams will always bring uh, an ROI and or profits down the road for you. So, you know, it's it's tougher now, you know, I think in, you know, a, a down economy or a potentially down economy, um, you know, we start cutting things here and there. We've seen it, unfortunately, across some of the big tech industry right now. But investing in your people is always going to come back and pay dividends um, and investing in yourself, by the way. So if you're you know, even a one man shop out there um, or if you're an employee that's looking to move up the ladder or maybe make a change in your career, investing in yourself is never a bad idea because, and Warren Buffett says this, you can't take that away. Nobody can take that away from you. They can take give you the lobotomy for that. But they cannot take away the investment in yourself. Right. So. And that's so key because I think that's getting to be more uh, prevalent um, in today's workforce. Uh, 10, 12 years ago, companies should pay for it. No, invest in who you are. Do you believe in you? Okay, because if you're waiting somebody else to do it, and you got to believe in yourself. Yeah, and so absolutely. And an, another quick idea for you know anybody in a leadership role out there is you know kind of have a, a little bit of both, right? You know what we do at WinBig is I look for a small investment for my team member to help me understand that that's important to them, and then I'll take care of the rest, right? So I think that's a really good engagement tool to make sure that. 
um, you're not just investing in it all, um, but that it matters to your team member and they're willing to come in a little bit with you as well. Awesome. Appreciate your time. It's been absolutely fascinating here. Folks, it's um, Win Big Media. And so when you stop to think about it, you know, look at their site, figure their things out. Um, if people want to reach out to you, Brandon, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book in terms of email. So you don't have to go through a form or anything like that. Just shoot me an email at Brandon at winbigmedia.com and I'll get back to you quickly. So. All right. We really appreciate your time today. Folks, he's given us ideas today all across the board from the CEO down to the employee work on what they can do to be a better team member, to be a better leader, and which all that's going to drive the culture. Once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you get ideas that you can implement immediately. Take these ideas that Brandon has shared with us today and help your teams increase their teamwork, their leadership, and their overall culture. Until next week, remember, having a good day is just being average. Listening to this podcast, picking up the ideas from all of these folks, we know you're not average. Go make today an excellent and exceptional day. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit TeamsRock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on The Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.